Um, so yesterday we had a concert and it was so much fun. Um, we had an outreach. At first I was kind of nervous for the outreach because I'm not really good with talking to people, like new people, I guess. Um, but I think Miss Shelley had given me flyers Wednesday night um, to hand out to people at school. And I didn't think I was going to hand, hand any out to anybody just because, like, you know, nobody, I feel like, I felt like nobody really likes that stuff. So, but I was in my biology class and there was this kid, his name was Deshell, and I don't know, I felt like I needed to talk to him. He was very nervous, you know, I just kind of tried to warm him up to him a little bit. And so during lunch, I gave him the flyer and I was like, hey, would you be willing to come out? He was like, yeah, my mom's been trying to get me out. And I was like, okay. So he was like, yeah, I think I'll come. And so I gave him my mom's number and Michelle's number. And then I didn't expect him to come out because, you know, you tell people about it and, like, you never really see them. You never really see them. So you just, you're just kind of like a, like an empty them saying it, but you don't expect them to show up. And then it was like I didn't notice he was here to, like, the end of the concert. But whenever I saw him, I got so happy. And he was like, yeah, I really liked it. His mom liked it a lot. She was like, yeah, he's going to come to teens. And then he said he really liked it. He enjoyed it. And so I think after that, it kind of made me like realize that people, no matter who they are, you can always at least try because there are people who need it. And people who do show up, they will really like it. And yeah, it's always worth a try. So I had a very good time yesterday also. Hey Amen. Uh, Pastor Howard just said something very important, and he said evangelism works. And uh, last night, uh, this morning, um, is a true testament to that. Uh, we were able to go and uh, labor yesterday. We had an impact team come in uh, from Spring Lake, North Carolina, and they brought like 45 people. So we were, we were um, excited. We had a huge group um, here yesterday, and we went out. Uh, you know, we were evangelizing all day yesterday. Uh, from the morning into the evening, and it's true, uh, like our song says, the Bible says, we sow in tears, because I was tired that whole day, but, but we reap in joy, because when the fruit of the labor, God moving on people comes in, you're so happy, like Kiana says, so happy to see people come in, get saved, and that's what happened. Uh, we had over uh, five or six people saved on the outreach yesterday. Uh, we had a lot of good talk. We got a lot of good contacts. And then during the concert, our teens tore it up uh, for Jesus. We had four people saved in the concert. And so it was just a, a, a wonderful time of evangelism. Um, and we want to continue to write on that as we, you know, we go into our new building and things like that. But yesterday's outreach was so good. I want to encourage, uh, you know, people in this place, if you've never been on outreach, uh, it's been a while since you've been on outreach, come get a hold of our outreaches because there's people out there just like you who need to hear the gospel, who need to be set free from their sins, their burdens. They can be changed just like we are in this place. And so we're just excited. It was an awesome time on outreach, the uh, impact team and the concert, um, just amazing time in Jesus uh, yesterday. So just praise God for everything that happened yesterday, and we're going to continue to do it. So make sure you get a hold of the calendar, all the events we have going on in Walmart Blitz. Uh, we're going to continue to tear it up for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Wonderful testimonies. You got your Bibles more in Genesis, <clears throat> book of Genesis chapter 18. Uh, Genesis 18. The book Flyboy is written by... Uh, Billy or Bill O'Reilly, uh, the, are the accounts of pilots flying missions in Japan uh, or into Japan uh, during World War II. Uh, it's interesting to read, as you read that, the pilot's life expand to see uh, was eight months. Imagine signing up for that mission uh, 
uh, is likely to die very quickly. But they, these pilots knew the risk. Uh, they signed up and they began to fly. Uh, amen. But they were constantly being targeted and shot down by the Japanese. On one occasion, George Bush Sr. was shot down. Uh, and as he was shot down and uh, the, uh, his plane crashed about 200 yards off the coast and the Japanese are rolling out to get him, uh, him and his gunner, and all of a sudden a submarine comes up. Uh, and as this submarine comes up, they rescue George uh, uh, Bush Sr. Uh, and his gunner. Uh, but what happened was the, the people of the island, the Japanese soldiers, were so shocked this actually changed the, the war, at least in that part of the world anyway, on that island, changed the mindset of the people because in their mind, uh, why would America sacrifice so many lives to rescue one? And so this actually began to touch all the soldiers on the island. If you finish, read the book, finish it out. Uh, they captured many more uh, pilots and, and gunners that uh, they had shot down. But how they treated them after that was, uh, was a lot different than before. And, and uh, so with that in mind, I want to go to our text, Genesis 18, because in this account of angels coming down from heaven, they're going into Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy that city because of their sin. Uh, but God intervenes. So I want to, with that in mind, let's go to Genesis 18, start at verse 16. It's rather long piece, a portion of Scripture. Just hang with me here. We start at verse 16. It says, Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? It says, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the ways of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what has been spoken to him. Verse 20. And the Lord said, Because of the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see rather... Uh, they have done together according to the outcry against them has come up to me. And if not, I will know. Then uh, the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham uh, stood, uh, still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous in the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that are in it? Far be it from you to do just or such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall the judge of all the earth do right. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare the place for their sake. Verse 27. Then Abraham said to the Lord, I indeed now am uh, but only dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there be five less uh, than 50 righteous. Would you destroy the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there be 40 uh, there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak, suppose 30 would be there. And he said, I will not destroy it 
for the, if I find 30. And he said, indeed, now I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. The Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. Abraham returned to his place. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, let there be a grace anointing. Upon this sermon, God, I have no confidence in this flesh, but I have great confidence in you, your word, the spirit of God. I pray God move today on every heart, every life. Uh, speak to your people in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. So I want to preach what I've called contenders this morning. All the first of the wickedness of Sodom, the wickedness of Sodom. If you read Genesis a few chapters earlier, back in Genesis 13, Abraham and Lot herdsmen are fighting among themselves. Uh, they're, they, there's just too much livestock for the land where they're at, and they're fighting among each other. And Abraham said, listen, we're brethren. Uh, let's don't fight among ourselves. Let's separate. If you go to the east, I'll go to the west. Uh, if you go to the north, I'll go to the south. And the Bible said Lot, uh, without a prayer, without any thought, uh, behind this, he looks out the, the plains of Sodom. Uh, he sees how beautiful it is. It's pasture land, the sheep uh, for sheep. And he makes a decision to go to Sodom. Verse 10, chapter 13 says this, Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as it goes towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Uh, so a lot is there, amen, all of his belongings are there, but Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says, very vile before the Lord, chapter 19, verse 4. said the men of Sodom, both old and young, were given over to homosexuality. So this is a vile place. Uh, this is an unclean place, and Lot has no thought, no consideration. He's just looking at, that looks like a good place for me to land, uh, but didn't consider what was there. If you go ahead and read down chapter 19, verse 5, it uh, talks about the angels showed up at Lot's house. The men of the city seen this, and they said this in verse 5. They called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them sexually. So you can see this is a very unclean place, a very uh, carnal uh, place, but this is where Lot has landed. Now let me make a statement here. Homosexuality is driven by demon spirits. Verse 9 says, Lot tells the men, no, uh, you can't have these angels that have come to me. But verse 11 says these uh, about the, the, the men of that city. Even after the angels blinded them, they become tired uh, trying to find the door so they can break it down to get to these angels. And that's, that's demonic. That's very unclean. Uh, it says the angels struck the men who were at the doorway of the house of blindness, small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. You know, but the world is getting not better, but worse. Can I get an amen? world's not getting any better. Second Timothy 3, uh, Paul said the last days will be, uh, there'll be a spirit of, there'll be a loss of decency among everybody. It says this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blaspheming, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, 
uh, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. That's our generation. As we look at it, uh, it's far worse than even Sodom Gomorrah. I know that was very unclean, uh, but today that's kind of uh, normal among a lot of people. It ain't right uh, by far, but Second uh, Timothy says, listen, this is worse. Uh, every human decency is going to be uh, taken out of man. Uh, mankind, they're going to be giving themselves over to self-depravity, whatever they want, no consideration of anybody else. Uh, anybody else. That's kind of where we're at today. You know, our text shows us how our surroundings influence our behavior. How many believe that? If you hang around somebody long enough, you're going to become like them. That's why drunks hang together, because they have something in common. Uh, drug addicts hang around together because they have something in common. So behavior rubs off on one another. Amen. The surroundings influence behavior. Lot and his family lived in Sodom for 14 years. Think about that. They moved there. It's one thing to move in a bad neighborhood, but it's another thing to stay there 14 years. So Lot stays there for 14 years, but his family pays the price. Uh, the Bible said his two older daughters and son-in-laws uh, are totally influenced by Sodom and Gomorrah when these angels come in and pronounce judgment. Hey, we're going to judge this place. And uh, tells Lot, hurry, go to your sons, your daughters, whoever's here. Get them out of this place because I'm, we're going to judge it. The Bible said they laughed at him, thought he was just kidding. We see the influence in Sodom's life himself, or Lot's wife himself. The Bible said the angels had to basically drag him out. He's slow moving. Uh, listen, when God said, I'm going to judge this place, uh, sulfur's going to come in like missiles. I'm running. Come on, I, I'm out of there quick. Uh, but Sodom, uh, or Lot, is taking his time. Uh, the Bible said he's lingering, uh, dragging his feet. They're actually grabbing him by the hand, pulling him out of town. Uh, his wife, we know, looks back. She cannot... Imagine living outside of Sodom and Gomorrah, living without that. Uh, she's turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, his two youngest daughters uh, are influenced by the ungodliness of Sodom. The Bible says when they get out uh, of town, they get in the mountain, they commit incest with their father. How many know that's a bad influence? You know, too bad Lot was it more like Noah. The Bible said 10 out of one, 10... Uh, People could not be found righteous out of 500,000 that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. God couldn't find 10 people out of 500,000. Noah, with the same surroundings, will build a work for God uh, and preach faithfully. And on the day of escape, his wife and three sons and their wives uh, all entered into the ark. So we can't buy the lie that says, uh, I can't live clean in an ungodly world. We can live for God, we can live clean, we can be a light for the Lord, uh, can you say amen? Uh, we can be a right church, a righteous church, uh, hold up a, a light for God, be a light for God. We can do that. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord hath Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Uh, uh, and, and verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. If God had said, I would dwell in them, walk among them. I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore, uh, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, I will receive you. 
I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, God said, listen, we're living in a bad world, an unclean world, uh, but listen, we can live for God and, and be righteous here. We can do that. We can have a righteous testimony, and we can say, I'm going to live clean, going to live right, and do what's right. Let's look secondly at the contenders here. We see through Abraham uh, that our prayers definitely make a difference. The Lord uh, and two angels come down to see the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says the cry has come up to heaven. Uh, there's such a loud cry of unrighteousness and uncleanness. God sends angels and the Lord comes down himself just to check it out, see if it's really that bad. But on their way to Sodom, the Bible says they stopped at Abraham's and they stopped at Abraham's one to tell Abraham, listen, Sarah, your wife is going to have a baby next year. You know, in the midst of all the chaos, God still visits his people with blessing. God's coming down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, but amongst that, I'm going to stop at Abraham's. Uh, I'm going to pronounce a blessing on their life. She's so going to have a baby. Uh, uh, that's, that's God. Hallelujah. Verse 17, as they're leaving, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? In other words, through Abraham, God's showing us something very powerful here. And you and I can contend for our loved ones. And we can contend, and through our prayers, God will save, God will deliver, do miracles. Uh, even though God intends to judge unrighteousness uh, and unrighteous people, you and I can stand in the gap. Uh, God, spare my wife, my husband, my children, my, or my co-workers, whoever it is. We can stand in the gap. We can contend with God, uh, and God will hear us. And we can make a deal kind of with God. Abraham said, Lord, uh, if there's 50, will you spare the city? If there's 40, 30, 20, all the way down to 10, uh, we find 10 righteous. Uh, Abraham is standing in the gap. And thank God we can do that for our city, uh, uh, for our neighborhood. We can stand in a gap. God, don't judge our city. Uh, save people. God, let us have the opportunity to witness and get them in the house of God uh, and get them saved. Uh, that, God says, you can do that. We have examples throughout the Word of God, 2 Kings 20. We have an exa example of a man contending for healing here. It said, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall surely die and not live. Then he turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray. How I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And now it happened before Isaiah had gone out in the middle court. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the house of Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver uh, this city from the king. And it goes on. Uh, but here's a man contending. God intended to do one thing. Uh, listen, your life is up. You've been diseased. Uh, it's come to an end. You're going to die. Uh, but we can, we can get in that gap. God, uh, have mercy. We can uh, contend with God and pray. And God stops Isaiah. Go back to I'm giving you 15 more years for that prayer. Not only that, but I'm going to deliver them from the city, uh, from their oppressors. I'm going to deliver, I'm going to give them victory. 
We see in Acts chapter 12, Peter's been put in prison for uh, preaching. And the Bible says the church went to an all-night prayer meeting. It says this in verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered uh, to God for him by the church. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and light shone in the prison and struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And, and, he, and he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. That was through prayer. Listen, Peter's going to die the next day. These Romans didn't play around. If you went to prison, you're dead the next morning. And But the church, knowing that the church is praying, they're contending, uh, they're standing in the gap, uh, and God, they're moved, they move God. God sends an angel. Peter's delivered. Uh, that's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Luke 18. Jesus speaks a parable, hoping that we will catch this. Look what he says. Uh, then he spoke a parable to them. Verse 1, then he spoke a parable to them. Men not always to pray and not lose heart, saying... There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, listen to what he said, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, will the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God said, I'm going to give you an example. If you can get a hold of this, it'll change your life. Uh, it gives the example of the, uh, the highest ruler of the land, the judge, uh, who had every right to bring judgment, not here, push her out. Uh, but because of her continuing, because of her praying, laying a hold of God, uh, uh, she got justice. And God said, how much more will God do that for us? How much more is God for us, amen, uh, and with us? And we pray, God, help us. Uh, God, save this person. God, give me a miracle here. Uh, and we press God day and night. The uh, Bible said God will do speedily for you and I. Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it shall be open for you. For everyone who asks receives him, who seeks finds, and he who knocks the door will be open. Uh, that's a good promise. That'll make you pray. How many have some needs in here? But I said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. It's progressive there. Uh, you have to contend for some things because the demonic fights you. Uh, you know, the devil's not going to just sit back and watch God just give everything to you. There's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle. That's why we got to contend. Uh, that's why Hezekiah, when he contended, uh, God entered the arena. There's faith. There's trusting God involved in that. God moves. God looks for faith. Are there some needs in here that need some contending? You know, too many times we point the finger at my husband and my wife and my children well, why don't we just pray for them? Why don't we contend uh, before God, lay hold of God for them? Might change it, right? Listen, these stories in our text tell us, never give up. God's trying to say, never give up. It's not over until God says it's over. 
but contend, press in. Uh, Lot was saved because of Abraham's contending. Think about that. Lot didn't have a chance. Uh, he didn't even know what was coming, but Abraham contended. Uh, God, if there's 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, uh, God said, if, there's, if I can find 10, I'm going to spare the whole city. Thank God for Abraham. St. Kings 4, we, we see a Shunammite woman, a Shunammite woman, who had been a blessing to Elisha in his ministry, her son dies. How many knows this story? He's a miracle boy, but he dies at around 12 years old. Uh, uh, and, and she goes to Elisha, listen, here's, here's my baby that you uh, prayed for. I got pregnant. I got the baby. Now he's 12. He's, he's died for some reason. And Elisha goes and prays for him, and nothing happens. That torments pastors, I'm telling you. When you pray, nothing happens. But Elisha didn't stop just a prayer. Elisha, he contended. It says this in verse 32. Then Elisha came into the house. There was the child laying dead on his bed. He went up, therefore shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child, his mouth uh, to the child's mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, stretched himself out on the child, his and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned, walked back and forth in the house, and again went up, stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite woman. And he called her, and when she had came in, he said, Pick up your son. And she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. That's contending. Listen, we can contend... Uh, that something may be dead, something may be over, it looks hopeless, uh, but we contend. Things are different. Uh, let me just tell you a secret about prayer. Uh, prayer is words. If we're praying before service in the morning, especially men, uh, you need to contend. Uh, believe God, contend for the church, contend for ministry, contend for needs. Uh, uh, amen. Lay hold of God because when we contend, things change. Things happen. Uh, nothing's impossible with God. God loves to do miracles. Uh, think about John chapter 2. Uh, Jesus is starting his ministry, and, and uh, he's just, his disciples are just starting to follow him. There has not been one miracle yet, uh, not one public miracle yet anyway. Uh, and, and they come into a wedding, and uh, back then their wedding feast was the responsibility of the uh, of, of the uh, the couple, basically, they had to feed everybody uh, and supply all this. And their young couple, they didn't have the resource; they ran out of wine. You know the story. And Jesus' mother said, "They don't have any wine." In other words, uh, the stipulation would have been on that marriage: uh, if they can't supply for a wedding feast, how are they going to supply for their wedding or their marriage? And there would have been just a bad look on their life. There would have been a statement made against them. Uh, that marriage is going to end in failure because they can't even do this. And Jesus' mother uh, says, hey, they have, and Jesus did a miracle just to be a blessing. Listen, God loves to do miracles. That's what this tells us. God loves to bless his church, do miracles uh, for his people. But, and when we contend, we will see the hand of God. Let me ask you, is there a need in your life that seems impossible? I encourage you to contend uh, and ask God for a miracle. You know, I'm encouraged as I look at Abraham. I don't know, Abraham wasn't perfect. 
He didn't always make the right decisions. He had struggles of his own. But God's not looking for perfect people. God's looking for people that have faith, perseverance, and a right heart. Abraham is not the father of our faith because he did everything perfect, but because he had a heart for God. And he, had a, and he believed God. And it says this in our text, verse 19. For I have known him, and in what order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord and do righteous and justice. Uh, when our hearts are right, our hearts are for God, uh, that's what God's looking for. Look, lastly, reaching the lost world for Jesus. Verse 17. The Lord said, Abraham shall surely become a great mighty nation. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Abraham's a picture of the church here. Lot is the people in the world trapped by sin uh, and are desperate. Abraham is a picture of the church. Uh, uh, he said, Abraham is going to become a great and mighty nation. Uh, God has good things for his life. How many know God has good things for his church? Uh, but Lot represents the people. We live in a, we live in a world, a city uh, with lost people. Amen. People are lost in all kinds of sin today. Uh, all kinds of things are uh, people in bondage and slavery to different things. And we need some Abraham. We need some Abrahams in the church, men and women in the church uh, that care enough about people that are lost in sin uh, to touch God for them. Amen. Uh, Abraham cared enough about Lot uh, and his family, and, they, and not just them, but the whole city that he went to God for them. Jesus said in Matthew or Mark 16:15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes shall be saved. You know, God cares about every soul. But the truth is, uh, people are trapped and lost in sin. People are dying in sin every day. The Bible said in Isaiah, hell has been enlarged. Uh, how many knows hell wasn't made for people, it was made for the fallen angels. But because of sin, the Bible said hell enlarged itself uh, uh, and now swallowing up every, uh, sinners. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I command you. And lo, I'm with you always uh, to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus said the church's business is to say, get people saved, to witness, to disciple them, teach them, uh, and keep them in God's fold. That's the church's responsibility. We're not just here to, uh, amen, to God bless me with a new car, a new house, so I can have life easy. We have a commission. We have a command, uh, and that is to get people saved, uh, work with them, lock them in the house of God, uh, and be used by God to evangelize. You know, the heart of God is that all would come to repentance and none be left behind. You know, the whole thrust of the book of Acts, the first church, was evangelized and reached souls for the kingdom of God. You know, as we look at humanity, we can either complain about how bad it is or we can preach to them. We got a lot to complain about today. But you know what? Uh, my dad told me a long time ago, doesn't do anything to complain anyway. Doesn't do any good to complain. Nothing changes through complaining. But listen, we can pray, we can witness, uh, preach, and that does change folks. You know, the truth, not all souls are going to make it. 
That's the stature. Not everybody's going to make it. Lot's two oldest daughters, his son-in-laws didn't make it out. But they heard the gospel anyway. Lot went to them with the words uh, uh, that the angel said, get out of town, judgment's coming. Uh, how many know, not everybody's going to receive the gospel. Not everybody's going to receive your words. Somebody was going to think you're crazy. They laughed a lot. Uh, uh, there's going to be people laugh at you. There's going to be people say, get out of my space. Uh, but listen, they have a right to hear anyway. You know, Pastor Howard and these Walmart blitzes are designed to bring the gospel to sinners, sinners that would normally come to church, uh, and the design is to rescue them from sin where they're at. You know, the devil's on the move. Sin is running rapid. Many people are trapped and will die in their sins. Uh, uh, but we have a rescue plan. Come on, we have the rescue plan. We have it. Jesus said, go uh, and preach to every creature, uh, uh, work with them, uh, bat, I mean, uh, disciple them. We have the plan, the, the rescue plan. Let me read a story to you as I close. But the promise of, uh, it's, a, it's called the Father's promise. I'll always be there for you, he tells his son. As the son's growing up in life, the son tells the story later. My dad always said this to me, son, I will always be there for you. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what you're up against in life, I will always be there if you need me. 1989, earthquake almost flattened all of Armenia. Over 30,000 people were lost within four minutes. In the midst of all the confusion of the earthquake, a father rushed to the son's school. When he arrived there, he discovered the building was flattened. Standing there looking at what was left of the school, the father remembered a promise he had made to his son. No matter what, I'll always be there for you. Tears began to fill his eyes as he looked uh, uh, as... He began to fill his eyes. It looked like a hopeless situation, but he could not take his mind off his promise. Remembering that his son's classroom was in the back right corner of the building, the father rushed there and started digging through the rubble. As he was digging, other grieving parents arrived, clenching their hearts, saying, my son, my daughter, crying. Uh, they tried to pull him away uh, and said, listen, it's too late. They're all dead. It's hopeless. Uh, and then he said back to him, can you help? Even the police officer and the firefighters told him, uh, listen, you should just go home. To everyone who tried to stop him, he said, are you going to help me now? Then they, they did not answer him, but he continued digging for his son stone by stone. Uh, he needed to know for himself, is my son alive or is he dead? This man dug for eight hours, then 12 hours, then 24 hours, then 36 hours, finally in the 38th hour, as he pulled back a boulder, he heard his son's voice. He screamed uh, his son's name, Ahmed, uh, and the voice answered him, Dad, uh, uh, it's me, Dad. Then the boy added these priceless words. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them, uh, then if, we're, if, if you're alive, uh, we will be saved because you will keep your promise as you always have. What a great story. That's a real story. Listen, God's promise lives through his church. And I believe that God counts on every one of us to pull the stones back. 
And when the world says, hey, don't, it's no good, they're too lost, they're too far gone, uh, 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 keep pulling the stones back. Keep evangelizing, keep witnessing, keep at it, because listen, uh, you pull one boulder over, the cry come out, thank you uh, for safe, thank you uh, for giving me the word, the, and it'll all be worth it right then. Listen, some Gomorrah is as bad as it gets, but God said, I still care about them. Sent angels there. Abraham intercedes. Uh, Lot gets out. Uh, God cares about his world he made. God loves people. The question is, do we have the time and will we uh, contend for the loss? Let's bow our heads this morning. If I can get every head bowed, every eye closed. Give me a couple more minutes here. I'm just going to ask you some direct questions.